Welcome to Hanging at the Hangar Bar. I'm Scott. I'm Candace. I'm Lariah. And I'm Lacey. Grab a drink and come hang with us at the Hangar Bar. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hangar Bar. Candace and I are again hanging out in the Minx Bourbon Bar as we talk about today's episode as well. We're planning on having the the girls, Lacey and Lariah, back with us to, uh, at our next episode, which we'll release next week. But you get Candace and I again for today, and we have a, what we think is a really interesting topic. As folks that travel from quite a ways to get to Disney, we've made the decision not to go to Disney this year, or not even probably during the 150th. We just 150th? Or 50th, whatever. <laughs> They've been around for a while. Whatever. <laughs> Listen to what I mean, not to what I say. I mean, we can hope to be around for the 150th. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, you I, never know. I honestly don't want to be around for the 150th. <laughs> I'd be knocking knocking 200 years old at that point. We'll get you a scooter. It'll be fine. <laughs> I could be a Florida scooter person then. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about why we made the decision not to go to Disney during the 50th. And that's... We, we probably... That's not either Disney World or Disneyland at this point because we've already made some other plans. So um, we'll get into all of the reasons why and we'll just chat about that for a bit. But before we jump into that, just remember our socials, hang it at the hangar bar, find us on Instagram and Facebook, interact with us. We love to hear from you. We love to have you give us show ideas. We just want to hear all the things from you and we want you to interact with us. We're not doing this. Well, we are doing this show for us and we have a lot of fun recording it, but we're also doing it for you. So let us know what you want to hear about. Totally. We want to hear from you. If, if we're boring you to tears with these episodes, we certainly don't want that. So we want to hear what you want to hear about. Yeah. And we're looking to grow our podcast too. So whatever we can do to make it more interesting, Candace and I were talking the other night about trying to do things that other people aren't talking about. The, the Disney podcast and the Disney vlogger space is inundated with a ton of people. And we know that. So we're trying to do our best to have different kinds of conversations. Like not everybody's doing a trip to Marceline. Not everybody's doing a, a tips and tricks, at how to plan a trip series. Not everybody's doing a a digging deeper into some of these things series. So as we're trying to grow our podcast and, and get more mature with it, we're just trying to find ways to to make it a little different than what's already out there. So let us know what you want to hear about as well. And if that includes snarky opinions, I have those. So She has lots of those. <laughs> so just let us know what you like to hear. We appreciate your feedback and we appreciate you listening. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. So Candace. Yes. Why are we not going to Disney World on the 50th? Oh, let me count the reasons. So when they started the hype, which if you know me and you've been listening for any length of time, you know that's part of the problem right there. But when they started the hype for the 50th, we were like, we have to go during the 50th. We just have to. But COVID happened. Park shut down. Capacity limitations went into place once they did reopen. Then they started the park reservation system. They've raised prices again. And I guess maybe we've done this a little bit to ourselves because we watch Disney videos on YouTube for fun. And I guess I feel like we've already been there. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we haven't, just because of all the Disney videos we watch and When we watch Disney videos, we don't have to put up with the heat and humidity. We don't have to put up with the 11,000 people. And yes, I said 11,000. It's a number. Look it up. (laughs) 
And I guess I just, I don't know. Disney has changed, in my opinion, since my first trip in 98. And not necessarily for the better. Yeah, and I think some of that is just maybe our tastes are changing a little bit too. Like, we're going to go back to Disney World. We know it. Without a doubt. We're going to go to Disneyland. Disneyland will probably be our next trip. Um, 2024, baby. Yeah, that's when we're kind of looking at. So don't take this episode as a, we're Disney, Disney podcasters that are never going back to Disney again. It's just, we made the decision that now's not the right time. And some of those reasons that Candace just called out, we'll dig into. But for me, one of the biggest things is not necessarily the price. I get why the price is going up because crowds are crazy. Coming out of a pandemic, things aren't necessarily the same. They're still trying to figure their stuff out. They're still trying to get their staffing back up. So the experience is not going to be the same. We want our trip to be magical. We want our trip to be special. And right now, with the park reservation system, which I'll bitch about here in just a minute, with things coming out of COVID, the staffing issues, the supply chain issues, all of those kind of things, it just doesn't sound like fun. Like everybody wants to be there during the 50th and I don't, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Plus, I mean, again, we're doing it to ourselves because we watch social media uh, for Disney, including the videos, but we've seen how bad behavior is running rampant through guests at Disney. And I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, and I try to be careful because people are primarily going to share their opinions on what they don't like and when they don't like it. So I'm I'm having to be very careful about making sure I weigh that in with people that are like, we had our best trip ever as well, so I don't get burned out because there are people out there that are loving the experience right now, and Disney is still Disney. Absolutely, and I mean, you can't rely solely on the cast members. I mean, bless their hearts. And I don't mean that Southern in any stretch of the imagination. They are doing the best that they can to, to provide magic to everybody. And the magic is what you make of it. But there are still those people who seem to be hell bent on ruining other people's vacation by their bad behavior. Yeah. And I think we've talked about that in past episodes too, where as Disney raises prices, this, I'm trying to think of how to say this without sounding completely condescending. The people at the bottom end of the affordability scale are now higher income than what it used to be. So the people that used to be able to afford to go once, twice, three times a year, that it was just part of what they did, now we're becoming the every other year people because of price increases and inflation and all of those kind of things. And they're salty about it. So their expectations are going up They're When they go, they don't have another trip in three months that can change that, that, Oh, that, that hamburger I had was too salty. It's, Oh, I'm going to remember that too salty hamburger for the next two years until I come back again. And that's just a rough place for Disney to be in. But they're also raising prices because they have to get crowds under control. And again, they've done that to themselves, honestly. Because again, guests go to Disney expecting perfection. Number one, because of the price increases. But number two, because Disney does perfection so well. Yep. Agreed. And they're... 
their theme park attendance. Magic Kingdom has more than double the annual attendance of their nearest competitor. Just one of the parks. Yeah, just one of the parks has more than double the attendance on an annual basis than Universal does. Uh So Universal doesn't have to deal with the crowds. They don't right now, and their prices are just as expensive, if not more so. But because they haven't had to go through as many price hikes and that kind of thing, they're not in the news as much. Well, but the thing about it is when Disney hikes prices, Universal hikes prices. Right. Because they can. Yeah, they do it afterwards and they do it quietly. Mm-hmm. Because Universal doesn't have an oversaturated market of people talking about them. There's a reason for that, but I'll keep my opinions to myself. <laughs> Oh, Candace is getting salty. We may have some future episode content. <laughs> it's Disney versus Universal. Knockdown challenge. No challenge at all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. so We're we, not going to Universal for vacation either. No. Just putting that out there. No. So let's, let's get back to, we kind of, we tend to do this when we have conversations like this. We diverged away from where we, where we started. <laughs> so let's go back. What are we doing instead? We are actually going on a cruise, which I am really, really excited about. And Two of them, actually. Yes. it's it. N- neither one of them are Disney cruises, although The Wish is setting sail this year. We're going to let them get that all the kinks and problems and all that that are inevitable for any cruise ship when it's new um, out of its system before we go. And then it will really, depending on the outcome of the next couple vacations that we take, it will be a soul search to go on the wish. Honestly. I mean, it will, but it won't because I want to complete the fleet. But yeah. that That's my thing. It won't be a soul search. I'm going to, I'm going to push us to go on the wish, but I'm going to push us to do it as a three day trip. If we find other cruise lines that we like better, that suit our lifestyle better, I'm going to push us to say, let's just do a three day trip instead of a four or seven. Yeah, but the Disney ships are so awesome. <laughs> they they are, but again, we've talked about this too. So this is another reason why we're not doing Disney cruises when we're going back to cruises. So we can talk a little bit about where we're going instead. But when we were talking about, okay, we don't want to do Disney World for the 5th. We're not feeling Disneyland this year. 50th. 50th. It had a 5 in it. Again, listen to what I mean, not to what I say. Struggle bus. Struggle bus. We are sitting in a bar after all. So but we're not drinking. But anyway, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> that could be the problem. So where was I going with that? We we looked at cruising at the Disney Cruise Line as well. And one of my things with the Disney Cruise Line is they are really starting to push all of their IP. They're moving it away from the cruise experience and trying to force you into situations that are Disney-fied. Instead of having a fancy kind of dress-up feel dinner, it's now you it's dinner with a show. And we talk go back and listen to our episode about cruise Disney cruises. We talk about that a little bit there and we'll probably talk about it again in the future. But everything now comes with a show. Everything is a Marvel Day at Sea. Everything is high Halloween on the high seas. Everything is super themed out to and revolves around character interactions and and that kind of thing whereas when I want to cruise 
I want to just go relax. I, I want to just let my cares melt away. Not ha- If I want character interactions on a cruise, I want them to happen by happenstance. Like our experience with Jack Sparrow. Like, or if there's a, a time where we have to meet Robin Hood, not Robin Hood, Peter Pan. Sorry, I'm on the struggle bus They kind of dress alike. <laughs> they do. They both wear a feather in their hat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I want that to be the exception, not the rule. Right. And it's, it's almost as though it feels to me like Disney is trying to move their theme parks onto the ocean in the limited capacity that one can do that. Right. Now, I know that we have had a conversation before where, like, the next time we go on a Disney cruise, it's going to be a situation where we don't necessarily do the main dining rooms and the dining rotation. We'll just book into Paolo or Remy every night so we can have that sort of fancier dinner feel. Right. Because we do enjoy that. We don't care that a meal takes three hours. We don't want to be rushed through it with some show that you have to be distracted by what should be and what generally is amazing food speaking for itself with Rapunzel swinging a frying pan around. Right. Yeah, agreed 100%. And on the Wish, the way they have those restaurants all set up, they all feel like they're dinner with a show. And there's three different restaurants that are specialty restaurants on those ships that I want to try probably more than I want to try the the regular. So that's kind of the reason why we chose not to go on a Disney cruise and the line that we actually chose for our cruise later this year is Virgin Voyages. And we're looking forward to that because again, we're, we're in a, a no kids podcast, so we don't have kids and we're dinks. We're dinks. So dual income, no kids for those that don't know what that means. What that means is that on Disney ships, they do a good job of separating out adult-only activities from kids' activities. But when you're walking through the ship, you're always going to have the the kids running around. And I, I don't I, I don't take that away from them. It's who they are. I, I wouldn't tell them not to do that. But we just wanted an experience where we can go get on a ship and there's nobody under the age of 18 on that ship. Yeah, and I, I think our last voyage, was that the fantasy, the last one that we sailed on? I think so, yeah. Okay, the, the thing that... Not really bothered me because, again, they do what they do and they've got the amount of space that they've got. But we were up in the club, quote-unquote, district every night after dinner. Every single night there were streams of children walking through those areas to get from point A to B. And it was just because that was the shortest path from a dining room to their next activity. And it's like, but wait a minute. This is supposed to be a club district. And, again, I get it, but... No. <laughs> yeah, agreed. The The way the dream and the fantasy are set up is different than the wonder and the magic. The wonder and the magic, the, the bar district, the only time you saw kids in that bar district was during the day when they were being converted into like kids club activities and that kind of thing. Well, and now since they have the entire uh, decks that are devoted to kids, it's like, what are you doing? Right. Get out of my space because... I mean, this is going to sound really snarky and really rude, and people are probably like, if you don't like it, why are you doing Disney? My vacation deserves to be my vacation, and I shouldn't need to make concessions for somebody else. And I know that sounds entitled, and I know it sounds rude, but I'm paying money for that vacation just like everybody else. Yeah, and when they advertise those areas as being adults only, and you're sitting there having a cocktail listening to music, and there's 
37 children come walking through screaming because they're on their way from the pool. It, it just takes away from that for that moment. And again, Candace and I have talked a lot about being good guests and being good, being good to the cast members and that kind of thing and not being that overly demanding person. And we're not, we, we deal with it in the moment. It's just one of those little things that I think Disney could do better is if you're going to advertise a space as adults only, make it adults only. Agreed. And like on the the Wonder, they did a fantastic job of that. Like the adults only pool, the Quiet Cove pool. There were multiple days when we were sitting there in our, our Barca lounger with our pina colada in our hand and you'd see a kid kind of peek their head into the Quiet Cove area and just kind of look around like they're looking to see what's going on. And within 30 seconds, there'd be a cast member there. You're looking for your mom and dad? And just take them and walk them all the way around and walk them right back out and never a distraction. But on the bigger ships, there was an entryway off of an elevator right out into the Quiet Cove pool. So families would come up. Families had to go through the adults area to get to the the midship pool. And those are the kind of things that I'm hoping they fix with the wish. I've not really studied any of the layouts to see... See if they're going to do better with that. But we'll again, we're going to complete the fleet. We're big enough Disney nerds that we'll be back on a Disney cruise as well. But we're not going to be, we'll probably never again be beholden to that line only. Right. And the reason that we've been beholden to that line up to this point was A, it is Disney. And that's, I mean, we both have shirts that say born Disney, raised Disney. And I think that's gotten progressively worse as we've gotten older and been able to experience more of what Disney has to offer. But the second part of that is their immaculate service. I mean, for heaven's sake, on one of our crews, I had a bar crew member go from one end of the ship to the other to get me some watermelon because I said I wanted a watermelon cocktail and they didn't have any in the bar. So he went and got me some from the other end of the ship. I mean, that's the kind of thing that Disney does maybe better than anybody else, but we don't know. Right. Yeah, because the only other cruise line we've been on is Carnival, and that was <laughs> that was darn near 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's a line, like, we're never going to get sponsored by them, so I don't mind saying this. That's a line we'll never be back on. It's just not our speed. No, it was enough to prove that we liked cruising, but now we'll step up. Because we can. Right. And because we can, and, and just... The constant that's, party atmosphere is not us. our thing. Like I, the the other thing with Disney cruises is they're a good thirty to forty percent more expensive than most other lines. Mm-hmm. the The room that we're going to be in on the Virgin Voyages ship is a, a huge suite with a huge balcony that costs less or about the same amount as an interior stateroom on the same length cruise on Disney. So the the mouse tax is a real thing across the board, and you just even as dual income, no kids, we still have to watch our dollars. And, and if we want to do our vacations and see more and explore more, we're going to open our horizons a little bit. And we'll be willing, or we'll be able to tell, I think after this experience with Virgin later this year, if the mouse tax is, is justified. Right. Agreed. And then the other, the other reason why when we said our next trip, Disney trip will probably be Disneyland in 2024 is, we are next year we're going Candace is going to crinkle our nose at this I know we're going to do an Alaska cruise 
and Candace doesn't like being in the ocean where it's cold, but we're going to do an Alaska cruise. It's been on my mom's bucket list forever. So my brother and I are, are going to take my mom on an Alaska cruise. And your wives. And, and our wives are going to take my mom on an Alaska cruise. Um, she's, I'm not going to say her age, but she's... Um, chronologically advanced. Chronologically advanced. And, and it's always been on her bucket list. So we want to get her there before it gets too hard to get her there. So... We're, we're going to do that in 2023, and then we'll we'll start looking at 2024. We typically take one big trip. Um, Candace and I are the type of travelers where we would rather spend a little bit more and go on one trip than spend less and go on two. Um, someday in the future, we may change that, but for now, that's just kind of the way we like to travel is we go big and, and spend kind of our vacation budget in one big trip instead of multiple trips. So... Um, that's why we're looking at 2024. We don't know what line we're going to be on for that Alaska cruise, but we know that's not going to be Disney as well because Disney Alaska cruises, again, are usually double double or more expensive than all other lines that are up there. And when you're looking at three rooms for people, that, that adds up quick. That's You're looking at a ten dollars to $12,000 trip on Disney, which is going to be a $6,000 trip somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that'll be our 2023 trip that we, we do there. So why else? What, what else haven't we talked about why we're not doing Disney this year? Okay. I said, I'd come back to it. And I just remember that I said I would come back to it. So one of the things that I'm hoping goes away by the time we go back to Disney, either Disneyland or Disney world is their stupid park reservation system. Um, I also think they need to get their genie, system and genie plus figured out a little bit more get a little experience with that and and get some of the kinks worked out and they're starting to make changes to that already like you can't make you can't purchase genie if you purchase a ticket package you can't purchase genie ahead of time you have to wait until you get that day yeah no more advanced ticket purchases so here's my thing with the the park reservation system and the way they're doing park hopping now We've talked again, Candace and I are not huge park hoppers. We typically go spend our whole day in a single park. But right now at Disney, you have to pick which park you want to go into on one day. And you the the best advice that I've seen is you do that as soon as you book your park tickets. You're not going to be booking your dining reservations for maybe 60, 120, 180 days after that. So that limits where you can look for dining reservations. Do you, if you say, hey, I made a reservation for Magic Kingdom this day and they don't have any restaurant reservations available, all of a sudden you have to give up that reservation for that park and hope that they have it where your dining reservation is at or pay more for a park hopper and go to that other park after two. And so if they only had lunch available, you're kind of SOL. You have to give up your reservation and hope they're still available. It's, I'm hopeful they're, again, they're doing, they're doing the park reservation system to manage their capacity better, which if you were reading this, I would say read between the lines and say, they're figuring out how to do it with less staff. They're, they're trying to figure out how to run their parks with like plan their, their number of cast members more appropriately because if you plan on a hundred thousand people in the park and you only get eighty, you're going to have too many cast members walking around. You're you're paying too many cast members for not doing enough work. 
Whereas, what was that look for? That just made me really uncomfortable. I mean, the cast members earn every single penny that they make. And even if they're just walking from one place to the other, they're still bringing their magic. And so hearing you say, and I know you didn't mean it this way, but hearing you say they're getting paid too much for not enough work just made my heart hurt a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just looking at it from a corporate perspective Mm -hmm. of you know how many people it takes to run your rides. You know how many people it takes to run your restaurants. You know based on the capacity and the number of people in the park that day. So if you're doing your workforce planning and you have to have a 20% buffer built in because you don't know how many people are going to be there, that's expensive. If you can get that buffer down to 10%, you've just saved the company a couple million dollars a year. It would be amazing to know what Walt would think about all of that. And I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. I, I always hear people talk about what would Walt think. Walt was a shrewd businessman. Was he though? He was the dreamer. Roy was the one with the purse strings. Let's think about that a little bit. Okay. So Walt would have wanted more staff and Roy would have been saying, no, Walt, we can't have more staff. Yes. So yeah, Walt may have been saying, bring in all the people, one, one cast member to, to each guest and give them all the private private experience. Well, you wouldn't have gone that far. Good Lord. (laughs) But then you would have had Roy saying, we're paying people to figure out how many people we need in this park to be able to maximize our profit because they are still a company. I get it. What I don't like about it though, is it, and where I think Walt would go wrong with the park reservation system is that it lessens the guest experience. It takes, it takes the spontaneity out of it. It makes it to where when you get up in the morning, you could be like, well, we were thinking about going to Magic Kingdom today, but I just looked and the wait times at Magic Kingdom are already ridiculously high, but Animal Kingdom looks looks pretty empty. Let's go over there instead. You can't do that anymore. And, and it just, you can't, like, we have some friends that are going to be, actually, they, by the time this airs, they will have just gotten back from, from Disney World. And one of the things they were talking about doing is they're taking their, their little kid with them and they have their park reservations for their first four days. And they were saying, oh, we'll just play it by ear and go to what her favorite one is on the fifth. You can no longer do that because if you say, hey, we want, you're going to get to pick our, our fifth one based on whichever one was your favorite. And, and the kid says, I want to go to Magic Kingdom. You go online and there's no reservations. Sorry, we have to go to Animal Kingdom. Or we're going to pay extra for a park hopper for one day. So then we can go back over to Magic Kingdom midday with an eight-year-old. Is she eight? Seven. Seven-year-old. That's going to be a rough explanation and a long day if you're doing a lot of park hopping. So um, I'm just not a huge fan of the reservation system. They need to figure out how to use the reservation system and not have it lessen the guest experience. So going to that, how how do you uncorporatize things with with certain officers in the Disney sphere saying, oh, we can we can lower or lessen food portion prices, but charge more for the food. We can raise park prices, hold people to these reservation rules and not let them hop until after two in the afternoon. How 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 do you balance that out from a corporate standpoint of data and price as compared to guest experience when guest experience is what it's all about and what's given Disney their amazing success. How do you balance that? So that's a tough one to balance. And right now I would be hard pressed to say that Disney's corporate philosophy is guest experience. 
I'm it's just going to say definitely not. It, and they say it is though, but it's not. But it, if you look at the way they're doing things, it's not about the guest experience. And I'm the other thing that I'm trying to fight is how much of that is due to COVID coming out of a pandemic when they had to they had to make a very tough decision to lay off a whole bunch of staff and those people had to go find other jobs so they're not all coming back in in mass either and the labor market for everybody right now is ridiculously hard so they're still trying to staff up and all of those kind of things but the actions they're taking for the last probably five years even before the pandemic were not necessarily always guest-centered getting rid of equity performers and replacing them with non-equity performers is not guest-centered. That's all cost-driven. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of things, like, you. it's hard to balance. Like, you don't want to spend too much, but you still want to to do right by the guest. At, at this point, it feels like they're trying to, let's get our costs lowered and our profits up because that's what speaks is profit. And and I don't know how they how they stop that other than just at some point somebody is going to have to say what do we want to be as a company? Do we want to be a company that prints money, or do we want to be a company that is phenomenal guest experience and prints money as a side gig? Well, and I think that's that's a really good good point and a thing to like going back to my time at Disney Institute. One of the first things that they really pushed was that everybody is working toward a common goal and a common purpose. And it's like one big philosophy basically for the entire company. And it just feels to me like they've lost their way. 10 years ago, what would you have said Disney's purpose was? To bring magic to their guests. What would you say it is today? To try and be a, a trendsetter in the theme park scope, even though they don't need to. Yeah. They're trying to take market share away from Universal, even though they don't need to worry about that, honestly. Um, but with all of the new rides, you just look at, at the, the format of the new rides. I mean, Rise of the Resistance and Remy and Mickey's Runaway Railway, it's all that trackless ride system. So there's a trend. They're also doing roller coasters like crazy. You've got Tron, which who knows when that's going to open. You've got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is opening. It'll be open by the time that this goes live because uh, it's opening May 27th for the general public. And I get it. People want more rides, more thrill rides. And Disney is definitely competing with Universal because Universal has the thrill, the thrill game down right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, but at the same time, what about the Disney magic? It, and, and maybe it's me. Maybe, maybe I'm just completely out of touch and I'm stuck in old school Disney fandom. But what about just the magic of being there? And I think that's where they're kind of losing some of their way is because being there is magic. The rest is honestly just gravy. Right. For me. Yeah, and I agree. I I would disagree with the only thing that you said is there. I don't think they're. 
I think they are trying to be trendsetters, but I don't think that's the corporate philosophy. I think their corporate philosophy right now is reduce expensive expenses, increase profit. And do you think that's a temporary thing because they're trying to recover from the loss um, during COVID where they no. actually had to shut down the parks no. and lost all that revenue? Or do you think it's a going to be this is the way it is from here on out? I don't think it'll be this way forever because eventually people will start speaking with their money. Like you asked how they balance that. Right now, Disney doesn't have to care because they're printing money. And that is because of the pandemic. Everybody's like, ooh, we have three years worth of Disney budget that we need to spend this year because we haven't been able to go anywhere. And so once I think you get past the 50th, you'll start to see people maybe speak with their money. Their attendance numbers will start to drop. And I think you'll see them go back on, they'll go back to the guest experience a little bit more then. But it's not just since the pandemic. It's been, you you and I have talked about that a lot in that it's, it goes back to one of my favorite things that was in Magic Kingdom, the great moments of American history with the Muppets. Why did they cut that? Nobody knows. I, we do know. We have guesses. Nobody ever came out and said, we're cutting these people because they're equity performers. It's just, oh, we're, we're getting rid of this. And yet both times that we saw that show, the area around there to watch that show was packed. Yeah. But it's an expensive show to produce. And it did create a pinch point yeah. in traffic flow. Yeah. So I'm sure somebody somewhere is like, oh, it's guest experience. We don't want to create this pinch point for traffic flow. So let's get rid of the show. Well, move it somewhere where it's not a pinch point instead of getting rid of the live performers, getting rid of the live orchestra and the Grand Floridian. Those, those kind of things were happening before the pandemic. It's been a cost-centered organization for probably the last five to seven years. And and my guess is we only see the theme park side of it so much, but my guess is that's corporate, that's the movie business, that's all of that. Like as, as much as we like to say that Bob Iger was this great genius of a person and we like to blame Bob Chapek now. Careful. I know, but this all started, this whole move of cost-cutting started under Iger. Because Iger wanted to grow the empire. I know. And how you grow the empire, you have to get expenses down so you can then go buy more. You can buy the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can buy um, you can buy Fox. You can buy... Star Wars. Yeah, you can buy Star Wars. But in order to do that, you have to have a lot of money that's that's there and your expense ratio has to be down. So it's been five or 10 years worth of this expense, expense, expense. And the only time it's going to change is when people start speaking with their wallets, which circling us back around as we wrap up this episode is that's part of the reason we're not going. We don't want the magic to be ruined for us and we're going to give it more time so we can sort of make sure that when we do go back, we're getting the experience we want out of it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Okay, anything else that you want to talk about? That was a very heavy point to end on. It really was. Is there anything else you that want to talk about? Sad. <laughs> sad. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, I think and this is this is a point that I guess I will call on our dear listeners. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think in our in our socials. Connect with us. Let us know if you think we're on track, if we're being overly sensitive, 
and static and rigid disnerds and not willing to accept change, um, which is something that I've been accused of a lot. But yes, she has. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, and again, we're we're a Disney podcast. Disney is not going anywhere in in a kind of our love and our admiration and that kind of thing. It's we're still going to watch Disney videos. Every day. Yeah, exactly. And we're still going to go as often as we can. However, I think we're going to have to really rethink and, and plan out how we want the trips now so that they can be as magical as possible. Right, exactly. Just the way we plan trips will change. The way we think about our trips will change. And we're not going to be afraid to try other things and branch out a little bit, which is not a bad thing. You can still love Disney and all things Disney. And being in Nebraska, we're right in the middle of everywhere. So we get to choose where we go and choose well, what we do. And it's kind of funny with you saying that. It's, it's amazing how often true Disney fans will present themselves and how easy it is to find other true Disney fans. I mean, you have a Mickey Mouse t-shirt on, you have something that says Disney or, or even alludes to Disney and somebody else is going to find you if they're a true Disney fan and want to talk your ear off about Disney. And I love finding those people. They are my people and I love it. Yep, for sure. Okay, I think that's where we're going to end it today, right? Yes, we lightened it up a little bit. We lightened it up a little bit so we didn't have to end on that super heavy note. And again, remember, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. And we'll see you real soon. Bye-bye.